Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Push Through with Paul Garwood with special guest Audrey Hawkins. As always, I would like to say thank you to everyone that is tuning in. I would like to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible, which enables the Life Coach Radio Network to bring this valuable information to you on a daily basis. Lastly, I would like to thank, thank the brainchild of our network, founder and CEO, Russ Terry, who has brought together coaches from around the world to share wisdom, expertise, and professional coaching techniques with you for, listen carefully, for free. Our shows air daily on various topics such as relationships, career, finance, personal development, and education. Here at the Life Coach Radio Network, we are about continuous coaching and continuous growth. Tonight, my special guest, Audrey Hawkins, with my special guest, Audrey Hawkins, we're going to talk about the third grade reading law, and the topic of the show is Expectation to Excellence, How to Navigate the Third Grade Reading Law. The third grade reading law is a law requiring that students in grades K through 3 be formally tested in reading at least three times per year, including once within the first 30 days of school. This is a concern for many educators and parents, and Ms. Hawkins will show why this is an opportunity to take this expectation and use it to attain excellence. Before I introduce Ms. Hawkins, let me tell you a little bit about her. Audrey Hawkins is a native of Detroit, a mother of two, and a grandmother of three. Currently, she is a teacher and coordinator of Cesar Chavez Academy in Detroit. Audrey is a 12-year teaching veteran who has spent three years teaching in South Korea, seven years in Memphis, Tennessee, and the last two years in Detroit. She currently holds a Master's of Arts in Teaching and holds an EDS in Reading and Literacy Administration. Ms. Hawkins has always had a passion for teaching, even though she never envisioned becoming a school teacher. Teaching and motivating children is her goal and passion. She knows that all students can learn if they believe they can. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Audrey Hawkins. How you doing, Audrey? I'm fine, Paul. How are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So you want to talk about 
the third grade reading law. Yes. Um, as an educator, it is really important that parents and family and other stakeholders are aware of uh, the educational and the academic expectations for their children. So the law that was signed in the law was signed into effect in October of 2016. Okay. And the law is basically basically um, being the third grade reading law. And to summarize it quickly, it means that if your child is not reading at least one grade below third grade level, mm-hmm. they will they will be retained. They will not be passed on. Um, it will not affect children this year, but it will affect those children in the school year 2018, 2019. 19. Okay. So, oh, wow. So, so let's, let's, for all the listeners out there, because this is a very important subject, because this is, this is something that's going to affect many children. Okay. So you're saying that if, a third grader is not at a certain level reading wise that they won't be passed to the fourth grade. Is that correct? And that is correct. And if a student enters a new school and they're coming in at the fourth grade level, there's testing that they're going to have to um, test they're going to have to take to make sure that they have met those requirements before they're put into the fourth grade. It's um, the reading level of our children, the reading comprehension, mm-hmm. is low. It's low. Okay. And to, to uh, point blame as to why and where and who's responsible is not effective. It's not a good use of time. Right. Um, the law is quite clear. And the rigor of the testing instruments are very high. Okay. Students in the third grade have to be able to make inferences. They will have to be able to have the cognitive ability to look at a passage, look at the the question, refer back to the passage, and and perhaps refer to another passage to arrive at the answer. And okay. so those skills are skills that are very difficult. They're they're difficult for adults. Yes. And in saying that, the students must pass this uh, rigorous assessment to go into the fourth grade. A lot of um, stakeholders feel that they're setting our kids up for failure. And. Wow. Why I'm here is to say that that may be one way of looking at it, mm-hmm. but I think, why not? Why can't our students achieve at this level? And, um, and it has all to do with those expectations that we have for our kids and what they can and cannot do. So you know what? Um, this is why you. This is why you. You told me the name of the show is "Expectations to Excellence." All right, because you know, Miss Hawkins. I hear a lot of people. I hear a lot of you know being work. You know, being in the school district. You know, you know by me by me um, coaching and mentoring, and 
I hear a lot of people saying just what you just said that you know this is a this is a setup, and then they then I start to hear a myriad of excuses. Well, kids don't read no more, or parents don't read to their kids, or the parents are not the best readers, or people kids just want to play video games. They don't want to read. Um, kid, you know, reading was the foundation ha- and has always been and will always be. Reading is the foundation of education, all right? So and so, this is why when you when you brought brought that to me, when you were saying that this is not an opportunity, we should have added that into in, into the into the title, um, no excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a time to come up with excuses concerning this law because this law is not going to go any anywhere. It's gonna <laughs> be. And and the thing is, I don't think it should go anywhere. Yes, um, I agree. I I um I'm kind of getting off track of what I wanted to 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 say. Um, no, then speak your mind. Go ahead. We can always okay, come you know, back. I I, I want to do a real quick blog on this. Kind of finish up on this third grade reading law, so people have an idea of what and like a snapshot of what yes. it entails. And all of this, if you just Google third grade reading law legislation, you can pick up the same thing that I have here. But it's like, um, well, the most important thing is that they have to pass these tests. And the tests are quite rigorous. So yes. we have to prepare our children. They're very rigorous. Um, when a child has been deemed to be, for lack of a better word, deficient in a certain area, Parents have to be notified, and then they have to develop what they call an IRP, an Individual Reading Instruction Plan, for, okay. for this child. And that has to take place within uh, a 30-day time frame. And yes. all that is good. But also parents need to know that they have to be a part of this reading plan so yes. because they know their child's the best. And any decisions that are made about the children, they should most certainly be there and have the strongest voice amongst any of the other stakeholders in the event. Because um, I always have concern that if, let's say, intervention isn't working for a child and they're being retained, so what's the next step? This did not work. The child's retained. Is repeating the same information the same way going to make it better? Okay. So those are the hard questions. Well, actually not the hard questions, but the logical questions a parent should ask the child, uh, an ed- the educator or the school leader or whoever's responsible for retaining that child. What has been done? So this didn't work. How do you know it wasn't the intervention and not my child? Right or vice versa, so that's something that um, parents need to be very, very vocal about. And also, parents can request that they use more than one, or actually, there should be more than one assessment tool used to determine that the student is not at his or her um, sufficient reading level for third grade. Okay. For all those all those listeners and those parents that's out there to uh, t- kind of um, hit on a point that Ms. Hawkins just just talked about, um, with this law, deficiency is defined 
as scoring below grade level or being determined to be at risk of reading failure based on a screening assessment, diagnostic assessment, standardized summative assessment, or a progress monitoring. So that's what the deficiency that she was talking about, um, that's the that's the definition of it. And Ms. Hawkins, when was this when was this law signed into effect? And and two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen? And yes. this was is is this is this nationwide? Is it just um Michigan? Is it some states? Now this is the Michigan law. Okay. Um but just from various research and having worked in another state, I would be more than confident to say, and I and I can't say for sure, and I hate to make uh, assumptions. That's not what I do, but generally education follows a trend. So okay. if there's a law for Michigan, and this is all that I can refer to, because different states have different standards. So okay, I understand. What may be a standard for Michigan may not be a standard for another state. Uh, as a matter of fact, I taught in Tennessee for two years or some mm-hmm. years. And at that particular time, the law, the state law was that you could not retain a child in third grade. So I don't know if their law has changed or not, but that just shows that there is a variance. And okay. Now I heard you say that they're gonna be assessed um within the first thirty days. And how yes. is how is how often is it just gonna be within that first thirty days or how often are they gonna be assessed within a school year? Well, the thirty days is that the, the after the parents have been notified, they have to assess the students within thirty days. They cannot mm-hmm. say in September that your child appears to have a deficiency based on this, uh, t- and then they wait six months to say oh, we're going to test him now to see how he's doing. So the the interim tests are to mark that student's growth or progress. So, but they have to be tested with initially within 30 days. Within 30 days, okay. And they get tested through three assessments a year. How many assessments? Three. Three assessments a year, okay. Now, what happens if after after the 30 day test and after these um, other other three tests, they're deemed um, not to be up to par. Okay, I know you were talking about this individual reading instruction plan. Well, this the individual reading instruction plan is set in place to ensure that what you just mentioned doesn't happen. Okay. So uh, you're tested and it seems like you're struggling. We have to deal with that right away. So hopefully by the end of the school year, we have arrested that whatever the issue was, and and turn the path to an upward spiral as opposed to something going downward. And therefore, that child is not going to be detained. Now, that was the question that I had, and I must make this caveat that I will say some things that are strictly my opinion, not that of any school board. But um, 
I have an issue with a child going through an intervention and the child does not progress and it's the child's fault. I'm not saying that it happens all the time, but I know right. that it does happen. So my thing is, before we deem that child not able to learn or grasp at a certain level, that maybe we should change the intervention. How often is the intervention addressed? If the particular intervention is not showing any progress, do we continue with the same thing? Or do we try something different? And at what point do we do that? And I am not saying that those questions aren't addressed, but it wasn't anything that I saw that was addressed specifically, unless I just totally missed something. And I may have. What do you think should happen in, in that case? I think that after a set amount of time, let's say three months, the student is not progressing. We should look at the intervention as well as the student. I'm not saying that it's just the intervention may be absolutely fine. There may be something else going on. But I'm just saying before we decide that the intervention is working but the kid isn't, we should find other means to measure. Try different programs. There are so many programs out there that assess reading. Um, there's so many different strategies that are available that are absolutely, the numbers are confounding. So I'm just saying if it's not working before we hold that, that child back, let's try something else or a couple of something else. And you should have a good indicator by the end of the first half of the school year. What have they done between September and December? Have they grown? And that should say maybe we need to try something else at that point. I I, to- I totally understand. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question here. It's 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 not going too far. It's not going too far off. I just want your you know by you being an educator. What what do you think brought all this on? This 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 all this this concern to make sure that the the children after so many years of them not really being at the level that they supposed to be, what do you think brought this sense of urgency on to where we got to get these children's reading levels up to par? Well, that's a very good question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I and other educators have asked that question often. Um, (laughs) One thing I say is this, and Lord knows, I hope I'll have a job when I start Monday morning, but I feel that as an educator, at some point in time, you need to speak what you feel is the truth and validate the best you can, so that's where I'm coming from. I think a lot of um, the issue is that teachers don't have the time to teach because of the administrative type work that they have to do. There are so many tests. There are so many uh, uh, compliance issues that teachers have. It does take away from a lot of 
uh, it takes away from a lot of teaching. Also, yes. the number of tests that your children have to take, which is why I kind of tongue-in-cheek think about another test. Mm-hmm. Um, because we children have, are testing all the time. And a couple of things happen. They don't think they're anything special. They don't put their effort there because we're going to get another test. What is it? We have another test. We have another test. And they go through the motions. So the results that you're getting definitely aren't reliable. Um, okay. Uh, you, you were asking me what was the solution? No, not um, the solution. This, why do you think, no, just why do you think that, because, you know, just for years, especially oh, in, 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 in different public schools and, and, you know, we've known for a while now that the children's reading level, reading and math was, was not up to par. All right. Especially yeah. in public schools, you know, why all of a sudden, you know, this, it's this this push all the way to the point of saying, if you don't be at a certain level, you're not gonna pass. You know what I'm talking about? You know that's that's you know that's it. Go, it's, a, it's like going from it's like going from I don't care to okay, we better make this work. You know why? You know why why this all of a sudden this <laughs> okay they take this stand. So there are two ways to look at it. Uh, in, in my opinion, one is that we have sunk so low. You know how when you get to rock bottom, you have to go up. You realize that if we have an uneducated workforce, yes, uh, uh, as far as our uh, up and coming citizens, we're, yes. this place is doomed. So yes. it's a natural resource that we have neglected. Our children are a natural resource that we have neglected. Um, we have sheltered them. They haven't had to really put forth a lot of effort because the the, the deck or the um, the baby boomers basically you know, say, "Here we got this. We're living a better life for our children. We're making it better for our kids." So we took away all their expectations, and I think that we just sunk so low that. Someone has said, look, if we don't get our kids up to par, we will have lost our greatest resource, which is an educated and thinking workforce. You know, I agree with you 100%. That kind of, you know, one of the major corporations that was, uh, they thought about moving here. That's one of the things that they said everybody thought it was because we didn't have transportation. They said that they, that the, the educational level was not at the, you know, was not at was not where it was supposed to be to where they felt like that they would be able to draw from them. All right, you know, to you know, you know, for the jobs that they was gonna gonna mm-hmm. provide. You know, so um, I I totally agree. We we have fallen behind, especially with reading and math. We have fallen behind mm-hmm. so many other nations. Mm-hmm. All right, when it, you know, and and this is this is something that will. Um, that will affect us, um, if just like you just said, if we don't do something about it. Um, let me right. pay a couple of bills here. For anybody that's listening that has a question for Ms. Hawkins, now you can call into the show. The number is 347-857-2878. 
347-857-2878. Again, I want to thank Audible for sponsoring the Life Coach Radio Network. It enables us to bring valuable information to you on a on a daily basis. Um, if you have, again, I'm going to repeat it. If you have any questions, feel free to call 347 857 2878. Lastly, I would like you to go to the Life Coach Radio Network and go to Blog Talk Radio slash Life Coach Radio Network and go and listen to some of our shows. Now, we're here on a daily basis. We have some fabulous coaches, we have some fabulous hosts, and we have some fabulous guests that comes in and brings information that is going to help you on a daily day basis and help you when it comes to your life and being able to become the person that you want to be. So I thank you again for um, tuning in. I'm getting back to the show. I'm here today with Miss Miss Audrey Hawkins, who is a uh, just a dynamic teacher in the Metro Detroit area. And what she is doing, she is giving us the lowdown on the third grade reading law and how not to look at this as a detriment, but to look at this to be able to to look at this as an expectation to excellence. And what she's doing tonight is she's showing us how to navigate the, the third grade reading law. So getting back to what we was talking about, um, tell me what, Ms. Hawkins, tell me what happens if after taking all of these tests, I know you kind of touched base on it earlier after taking the test and the child is, is, is not, not successful. They've had the intervention, you know, um, we've, we've talked to the, to the parents. Is there anything, is there any other resource that parent can go to, to, you know, to, to stop that child from being left behind? Uh, at this point, I would say no. Okay. However, I always encourage parents, no matter what, to go and advocate for advocate for their children. But if your child is actually not up to par, moving them to the next level is going to only further uh, serve to frustrate them. And okay. what will happen, the process will be that the learning will just stop. And perhaps even go backwards because the child will have less desire to move forward because they don't feel that they can. So um, if the child needs assistance, most certainly don't, I would say not to push them on, but I would also have that question about, okay, this intervention didn't work. What other intervention did you try? Because we must have to make sure that we differentiate instruction for the children which is um, why they have to develop what they call that individual reading instruction plan. Right. I have another. I have another question for you. Is is not it's not kind of going off. Just something. This is a personal question. I think uh, <laughs> everybody will want to hear. Do you think that this is going to mm-hmm. cause an uh, uh, influx into homeschooling where the children are being homeschooled, but they're not really being homeschooled? You know, do you think that parents, instead of going through the process or, or trusting the process or taking this expectations and leading into excellence, that they're going to snatch their child out of school 
and say, I'm going to homeschool my child. And reason why I say that, you know, because a lot of a lot of parents take their kids out and homeschool them, but then the child is not really being schooled. All right. Do you think that might happen? Well, there's a possibility, but the, the students will still have to pass the man, state mandated test. So okay. even though children are being home, homeschooled, there are um, educators that, that go out to the homes and evaluators to make sure that what they're being taught is up to par, and they're still responsible for taking the same test. So right. if they okay. think they can teach them better, more more power to them. I have no problem yes. with that. They, that does not. Um, exclude them from the process. They're not. They're um, not going to escape the process. Good. Good. No, not at all. And um, one thing that I would like to say is that, in spite of this, the other part was like you know the expectations. So when we speak of expectations, expectations include support. Yes. Um, I just don't expect that you're going to get this level of growth. And please understand this, and I meant to bring this up earlier. What you should be more interested in is the student growth as so much as student achievement as far as seeing that A, B, C, or D. Because those letter grades can be very subjective. But the thing is, we always want to know that our child is getting better. And yes. it is just as important if that child is at the top part of the room. If you got that A student and um, that student is not being challenged and they're ace in every single test, there's a problem there as well as far as the expectations of um, what we have for our kids. But, yes. um, but to get back, it's like I said, every time we have these expectations, we do have to support each other. And our parents need a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Michigan uh, Department of Education has an excellent website for resources. Okay. And they also, and you could just click on it just like MDE and put in educational resources. And if you click on the third, if you Google just the third grade reading um, legislation, they have a, a plethora, I love that word, plethora, a yes. plethora of um, resources that actually come from the Mississippi School District. Okay. So, um, going back to what you said, is this like a statewide or a national initiative? Just looking at that makes you think that it probably is a national initiative, but they just might be different uh, standards uh, from state to state. But um, getting back to the point where um, the support for the parents. So your children are just not going to magically learn how to read in third grade. They have to be exposed to written text. They have to be spoken to. They have to, to be taught to speaking complete sentences. If they make grammatical errors when they speak, you shouldn't say, oh, you should have said she instead of her. You would just mimic or mirror that child's response or statement in the correct form, that type of a thing. Um, I cannot stress enough how exposure to vocabulary 
is so important. Uh, oh, yes. Reading to children, even if they know how to read. Reading to children, um, questioning them. If, if they have a response, don't just take their response at face that value. Ask them why. Why, why do you think that? What, may, what, okay. what, what occurred? If something else would have happened, would that have changed what you thought? How yes. sure are you? Where's the evidence to back up your response? Those are the types of things we need to, um, but that's the type of a dialogue we need to have with our children because this is how they're being, and I hate to keep referring back to testing, but that's how they're being evaluated. Yes. And they're going to need to be able to multitask, for lack of a better word. They're going to have to be able to follow processes. They're going to have to be able to think creatively. So as uh, parents and educators and and caregivers, we have to pull out of our children what we may not even know is there. We have to really open our minds to what they can do. We have to um, not place our expectations on what they can do. Set it higher. If you think they can do X, Y, Z, then make their ex- uh, their expectations A, B, C to the 10th power. Okay. Change those expectations and make those kids purpose. They're going to have to know how to think. Um, and, and the thing about it, when you present them with something that is challenging, you know, let them know, hey, this is, I know this is hard. But we're going to do that. And once they make those goals, they, their, their confidence level zooms. Once their confidence has um, increased, they're willing to take a risk. They don't care yes. if they fail because they begin to understand that, oh, I just didn't get it right this time. Now I know what to do for the next time. Um, and, and the last thing is never, ever, 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 and a child that is smart as the reason that they made a certain accomplishment. Okay. Um, why do you say what that? that does, why, do you, why do you say that? I'm 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 curious about that because I I have a mistake. I, I've made well. I'm not. I've said that before. You know. Why do you mm-hmm. say don't say they, they're smart? I because that means that if. A child is smart. This is uh, Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. She did the research, and she's one of the researchers that I hold to mm-hmm. very high esteem, and I don't hold many high esteem. She's one. But anyway, it's that it's what they call a fixed mindset. And what okay. that means is that I can do this because I'm smart. I was right. born that way, and that's it. Right. And uh, what happens, though, if it's something that they can't do, they say, oh, I'm not smart. But who right. wants to, to, to feel like, okay, I got to say, I used to be smart, and I'm not again. So that means those kids will shut down. They will start work. They will stop working. Right. They will, rather than not be smart. So we have to let our kids know that they're great learners. Okay, oh, perfect. And, 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 um, that failure is a part of learning. Yes. And that we expect you to do more. 
I look my kids straight in the eye, and if they're, I have some students that are reading a pre-K level, and I'll give them a two-K level book to read. I said, you know this is sixth grade level. They're not sixth grade level. Right. I'll look at them not bad at the eye, and then they're not afraid of making mistakes because they already know that they're low, quote-unquote. And if I'm giving them something really hard and they can kind of do it, oh, they got it going on. And then right. that confidence them, then they don't care about failing. They put forth more effort. More, they put forth more effort. And there you go. You have that child that has this high expectation, not of what you said, uh, but what they believe about themselves. Um, Never tell a kid that you like what they did. Oh, I like the way you did that. Because now you don't want your children to work for you. Again, we need our children to work for themselves. Perfect. Um, Come on, one second. I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to reiterate and repeat that. You know. Okay. Listeners, you want your children not to do good in school for you, not to work. For you not to study for you you want your children to do good in school for themselves you want them to learn and read and 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 don't give up and 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 for themselves you don't want them because a lot of times this is what parents do you know sometimes they can you know through you know different punishments and scare tactics and then, then you get the child working hard for you well, then as soon as you out the picture, then they ain't going to work hard. You want them to work hard for themselves. Themselves. All right. Thank you for that one. Okay. Go ahead, Ms. Hawkins. Continue. Okay. I, I, I love the way you broke that down because that is exactly um, the truth. And going back to the sex, I know our time is running short and my mouth is running long. Um, oh, no, no, no. We got time. You, you go ahead. Okay, go great. ahead. Because this is something that I am definitely passionate about, passionate about, and concerned about is our um, our our children and yes. and what they can do. And far too often we put caps on them. Um, they have ADHD. Well, we never had ADHD. We got a whipping if we right. had it, but. Every child, that is not their issue. Um, it's more that we are not meeting the needs of the children where they are. And when I say that, I'm not saying we need them at a certain grade level. I'm saying that we're not looking at, at the things that they're interested in. We don't yes. even know what our children know. Yes. But we don't ask them. And I mean parents and teachers and other caregivers. And once you know that, you can build on it, and then it sends a message to that kid that I'm valuable. Yes. What I've experienced is important because my teacher, my parent, my whatever says so. Because as much as kids say they don't listen, they listen to adults. Yeah, they they listen when you think they're not listening. They watching when you think they're not watching. Yes, they are. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Because I, 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 this kind of, this is goes along with it. 
Now, this this would probably be something for another show. But what you said about the ADHD, I'm just going to touch on it briefly, is because I notice how schools, they, they're in a rush to want you to medicate your child. You know, about, you know, you know, and 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 this kind of goes with the, you know, with the label that you was talking about, you know, on yeah. and, and the cap. Um, and to me, that's showing that they're not really trying, just like what you just said, trying to meet the the needs of the child, or really get to know the child, or try to find what's going, try to find the gift that that child has, because we're all born with the gift gift i think he was telling me one time about um you had a student that was kind of disruptive and then you found out that he was he played the piano okay right you know tell him about that okay um we we we're doing this testing session and the kids have been over tested uh it's not a secret and a lot of them don't take testing seriously so when you don't take something seriously you become disruptive so this particular child had become disruptive, and then all of a sudden he says something about uh, a video, a music video, and of course our response is, you got to be out of your mind if you think you're going to listen to a music video. He says, no, me. And so he showed me a video of himself on, the, uh, on his phone playing the piano. Oh, well, see? And he was excellent. And as the universe, I don't want to say anything politically correct about religion or whatever, but God was like, talk to this boy. We were doing a math test. Yes. And he was talking about, I don't understand fractions. And so when he showed me what he did, I said, excuse me, music is nothing but fractions. Quarter note, whole note, half note. Yes. And he, I, you could see the light go off in his head. And all of a sudden, he's back with a test. Um, see, what you, you instill confidence in, 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 in him. And something that you was talking about once before, you know, is that when, when you're trying to navigate this third grade reading law and go from expe- expectation to excellence, you're going to have to instill confidence in your child. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that, that for me is the number one indicator for child success in academics. Um, back in March, right after parent-teacher conference, I had a teacher come to me and ask me if a student could join my tutoring class. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, we're, we're full, but I'll ask the principal if it's okay. And I said, well, why? She said, he can't read. And I go, okay. So everything went on, and the child was able to come into the program. And so I said, well, um, I, didn't, I don't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about him at that time. And I just said, well, the best way to learn how to read is through it. I said, go in the library, pick out any book that you want to pick. I'm going to teach you how to read. We're, we're going to read this. This child picked out, this is the third grader, mind you. A book on the um, a special ink painting technique in Japan. Okay. Okay. So the first paragraph talks about importation, technique, producing in earnest, all of this panoramic view. 
definitely not what you would think of an ordinary third grader. Okay. So instead of us reading a page a week, we went to reading a paragraph a week. And at first, he actually memorized the words, not having any idea what the the meaning was, or very little. Then we went back and we unpacked the meaning. Then we showed how we broke the syllables down so you could see how, well, this sounds like this, so when you see another word that starts starts like this, it's the same thing, that type of a thing. he actually started doing very well and reading very fluently. Didn't have the comprehension, but the fluency is there. So now we have a child who is willing to read in class, which he wasn't before. He is able now, after been almost well two and a half months, he's able to explain to you in detail what he has read. Um, and his teacher says he now he answers questions in class. He's doing much better. And nothing changed except for he felt he could do something more. Um, I told him, I said, if you could read these words, what you read in the third grade is nothing. And he believed it. So what you did, so what you did with that student is you put expectations on him. You expect, you know, you, you let him know that he could do more than he thought he could. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. You challenged him. And he did it. And why all, did, why children, did, go ahead. all children respond that way. Right. And if they don't, now you need to start looking at something. I won't say all children, but I would say the majority of the children. If they think they're doing something more than what they think they could do, they get very happy. Yes. Yeah, this child is almost, he's, he's, he's doing great. Uh, you see, you know, you know what, Miss Hawkins, you know, I found this out that, and I and I so appreciate what you're what you're saying, and I'm sure that my audience and everybody that's listening is gonna listen appreciate because see, I do a lot of things with kids, and and I'm known for being positive because I feel like that you know kids hear so much negativity at home. And I, you know, and I like you were saying that parents should do specific things with their children, but you know, kids here at home that, um, you, you know, you ain't going to never be about nothing. You know, you ain't going to never graduate. You ain't going to never go to college, you know, Oh, you know, you, you know, I can't read good. So you can't read good. Um, or if they do good, you know, they, then they, they don't, they don't get, um, any type of reinforcement, or I don't want to say praise, but they don't get no reinforcement. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. That the parents are not challenging their children. Um, the you know the parents don't have expectations, you know, for their children, and they and and so when they come to school, or if they're on a basketball team, or then in a mentoring program, and when you push them and then they succeed, you can just see a whole different look on their face. You know, yeah. it's like, I can do this. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and this is why I remember uh, I was reading in one, of my, in one of my books, they said for every um, negative thing you say to a child, you should say five positive things. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? It should, it should be um, some type of, you know, 
pushing for them because children want to learn. Basically, children want to learn why they fall off track and lose this interest in school. You know, I think it's a lot of outside forces that causes this. I don't think it's really coming from the child. I think different mechanisms should be set up to keep this child on the right, keep children on the right path and keep them focused on on reading and math and getting their education, you know, and. Mm -hmm. That's why so, I agree with you about this about this third this third grade reading law, you know, being may, it might be that push that they need. I agree with you. That and also it's it's the thing is um, we don't make education fun or it's yes. not, let me not fun not fun. Let me take it back. We don't make education realistic. Yes. Uh, we have to show students how what they're learning in school connects to their real life. And, yes. and, the, and the reality of it as well is we have to really show kids or give them a process of how to think because whatever jobs they're going to have, we don't even know what they are. So as yes. an educator, we cannot begin to prepare them for a job. You know, back in the day, they could prepare you to be a secretary and take a typing class. Yes. Because they knew they were going to be secretaries. We don't know what those jobs and those careers are going to be. But what we have to teach our children is to be creative thinkers. We have to teach them that failing is A-okay. Yes. If you haven't failed, you haven't tried anything. Uh, we have to teach them how to uh, to solve problems and and um, within their, uh, their, their peers, even when it yes. comes to conflict. You got three little four year olds. They shouldn't be coming to mommy and daddy saying he did this, he did that to me. Yes. Oh no, you all, you you need to go work it out. And Absolutely. let them begin to start working out their problems in a way that is suitable without having to resort to um, violence. And um, before I forget, this one thing, and this just came to me today, is okay. um, the way we label our children. Yes. You know, it was a time the kids that were uh, not at the level we care for, that we used to call them juvenile delinquents. And one time, uh, or they were dropouts, and for a little while, they were these super predators, like they were right. just born bad, and they're out here to, right. to harm the world. And right. now we're calling them at risk. And You're right. That's another level. I know we're searching for terms not to, to be detrimental to our kids, but I would rather look at them, instead of being at risk, if they just haven't realized their full potential yet. Now, you're hitting home home with me with that one because I have an at-risk program. And honestly, I'm going to tell you point blank, I've never been comfortable with the term at-risk. Now, now, now that doesn't affect nothing that I do with with you. Exactly. You know, the the, the term at-risk, but... I've never been able to come up with another term, all right, you know what I'm talking about, but I've never, because, you know, when when you say somebody's at risk, okay, at risk for what, 
Okay, you know, tomorrow, you know, you, you know, yeah. it's it's almost like it's like it's a it's a label or you know this person you know first thing people are gonna say is oh this person's at risk to go to jail this person's at risk to um, never amount to nothing this person's at risk not to graduate this person is at risk um, to be poor his whole life this person's at you know you you understand what I'm saying Miss Hawkins mm-hmm. I, I I get you hundred percent and the thing about it. I, I like to use the an, uh, uh, um, analogy with with the uh, it's like a doctor. So you yes. have a doctor, and you come to him and go, oh, shoot, you've got cancer. Uh, you're probably gonna die anyway, so I'm just gonna give you some painkillers and move you along. And yes. we say that with our kids. But oh, you got a flu? Yeah, I can help you because that's the easy fix. We do the same thing with our kids. We'll take that so-called bubble kid and say, oh, yeah, we can work with you. But mm-hmm. you, you other kids, you're so far behind, you might as well be dead. And that sounds harsh, but it is harsh. Yeah. And, yes. and it's real because we act as if we have some children that are throwaway children. And for whatever reason, they are not exceeding and excelling. One of them is because of our expectations for them. We don't think and, they can learn. Because if you think a kid can learn, you're going to teach that kid. But if you don't like that kid and you don't think they can learn, I'm not saying that for every teacher, but there are those out there. You well, you know, hey, unconscious bias is there. Unconscious and conscious yeah. bias is there. It's in school. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. And it affects the learning um, ability of a of a child, and and because teachers' pets favorites, they have them. All right, you know tomorrow, yeah. and 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 then if you are a if you are a a, a child that's not I'm a, this is I'm not gonna say at risk, but if you are a child that that is not meeting your potential, okay, mm-hmm. and and then if you're not a if you're not um, a favorite of the teacher, well you you might not get the type of attention that you need to reach your potential, you know, and, 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 and that's a fact. That's a fact. So I, yeah. this, 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 this last one, and, 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 and this was, this, this kind of hit home to me. Explain to them when you say embrace the rigor, the rigor. Oh, okay. So, um, I would dare say that there wouldn't be many adults that would probably struggle with the test these kids have to take. And I mean successful adults. Okay. Yes. How, but what I do understand about the testing is not always about having a certain knowledge about something. The testing has more to do with understanding a process, being able to think outside of the box, um, being able to multitask as far as um, looking at a solution with a myriad of, of um, connections, okay, for okay. lack of a better word. So no longer than can you see what color is the dog, the dog is black, red, green, or blue. It's not 
tests are like that now. Children have to write the responses and they have to be able to explain them. And it's rigorous. Um, what they're asking students to do is, is a million miles away from what they've had to do in the past. Okay. But we're saying that, but why not? Yes. You are not, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say that because it's, we tell our kids don't cook because it's hard, so as educators or state, educational stakeholders, you say, oh, this is really hard, they can't do it. I'm like, why not? I'm going to tell them the same thing. I'm gonna tell them the same thing. I, I same thing. I tell tell my 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 kids, my my basketball players, my children, my son. Embrace the challenge because it's mm-hmm. because th- this is this is what we as a as a community is gonna have to do. You know, with this third grade reading law, we're gonna have to yeah. embrace the challenge because it's gonna and be we, challenging. And we cannot wait. We cannot wait. Like I said, there is not a magic pill that you can give your child in third grade that is going to help that child read. It is something you have to start now. I didn't even know about the third grade reading law until last year, and I'm an educator. So I'm sure that many parents do not know about this law. You know what? You know what, Miss Hawkins? Somebody asked me a question. They said, Paul, you about to have this show. And um, what would you, what is one thing you would tell parents when it comes to navigating this third grade reading law? And would you like to hear what I told them? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to, you can't think about just this year or next year because this is, oh, cause yeah. this is here to stay. You're going to have to start reading to your child while your child is in your belly mm-hmm. and start reading to your child when your child's in your stomach. Read read to your child when your child is born. It don't make no difference if they six months, one year, two year, three year, four year. You're going to have to read to your child from the beginning. Okay. You're going to have to, you're going to have to lead by example. You're going to have to, um, use reading as as instead of reading being boring. You 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 have to teach your teach your child that reading is enjoyable. All right, the yeah. whole the whole mindset about reading has to change because reading used to be enjoyable. We everybody loved to read. All right, this is why mm-hmm. we had libraries. This is why we had comic books. This is why we had just so many different things, but because of electronic devices, people don't view reading in the same um, with the same respect that it used to be. So that has to turn around. Reading and has to has become to. enjoyable again. Yes, and people just don't know how to read. And yes. so, you know, it's and, and adults, I assure you, are no different. Well, in, in, well there's the same in the aspect that the tire for them, they tend to want to shut down and not to continue. Um, I know that reading is fundamental, literally. I know that as educators, we must, um, for our older children, we have to let them see the connection. We have to make a real-world connection because if it doesn't make sense to them, 
They're not yes. going to do it. They're not going to read about Shakespeare unless they can see how Shakespeare has some type of uh, connection to the way yes. we're living. For our younger children, we have to let them know from the very beginning how smart they are. That's how smart they are. See, so easy to use that term, how smart they are. We have to let them learn, understand how great of a learner they are. And if they learn how to, like one of my little boys learned how to write small. And because he would take one letter down here for the whole page. And you know okay. what the heck he wrote. Now he writes quite legibly. Right. And now all that is, the writing isn't a thing that's important. The fact that he's focused. And so now you've established focus. He sees what he can do through his writing is focus. So yes. we have to model to our children, our children, what um, who wants us to be. We um, have to have the television turned off. And I also I have this is kind of a sidebar here, but I do have a um, product in mind for. Um, Student achievement and cell phones. So I um that was given to me actually, and so uh, it's a very good idea, and I'll be focusing on that. But the thing is, we look just do one thing with your child. You don't have to make studying an all night thing. They have do their homework with them, and then do ten minutes of reading every single night, but be consistent. Um, yes. Let your children know that they are great learners. Let your yes. children know that there are extremely high expectations. I tell my students, I am a mean and lazy teacher. Right. I am mean because you're not going to be disrespectful. You're not going to come up in my class because that's not something you want to do with me. And I'm lazy because I'm not going to teach you anything. I'm going right. to teach you
know, I, I, I truly appreciate everything that you that, that you brought because it was so very important because this is going to be very important for our entire community coming up, you know, because we do not. We, you know, we don't, we do not want third graders being held back consistently, mm-hmm. consistently, consistently being held back, and then you mess around and start having people drop out of school in sixth grade. You know, yeah. we don't, yeah. we don't need that. Um, I, you know, you're, you're a fabulous person, a fabulous teacher. Um, you know, your what you want to do for children is, is, is just amazing, you know, and, and, and I thank you for your expertise and your knowledge. But before we leave, I got, I got a bonus. To, I got a bonus today with Miss Hawkins and this, and we're going to talk a little bit briefly about her second career. And for anybody <laughs> out there that's listening, that's a, um, a part of a, a, a nonprofit like I am, Miss um, Hawkins is a grant reviewer. All right, we know how important grants are when it comes to a nonprofit organization. So she's going to give, she's going to touch base a little bit as, as much as she can do uh, about being a grant reviewer. So go on and tell them about your second career, Ms. Hawkins. <laughs> okay. Um, it's really challenging. <laughs> but... <laughs> But also, it is um, a great education for me. One of the things that I can say about grants, just the first thing, even though you're not graded down for spelling and presentation, make sure your spelling and presentation is correct. And the reason I say that is because most grants have a finite uh, number as far as what they can uh, disperse. So if you have uh, two organizations and they're equally qualified, but one doesn't have typos and one does, I mean, what would you do? That type of thing. I got your point. I got your point. On uh, requirements, like if they ask for collaborators or anything they ask where you have to supply a, a X amount of numbers um, to satisfy the minimum requirement, please go far above that. Go far you know, above. As, go far above. Get as many as you can. Uh, again, it does not mean that it would have more weight. But as a peer reviewer, if I had to distribute funds, and I am not the person to make that decision yes. yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> <Okay>. I, <laughs> but, I, but I do have input, I would definitely uh, put that into consideration. Because for me, as a reviewer, the more detail a person gives me is an indicator as to how um, – well put together or how well thought out the organization is. So I would just say basically please pay attention to detail. Yes. Uh, if a requirement is three, uh, do 10. Yes. Make sure you've done your homework, have your data, be able to cite references to what you're trying to get, 
and just be very clear on the licenses that you're supposed to have. Um, and just really pay attention to detail because most plants are highly competitive. Yeah. Highly competitive. So you just um, want to put that best foot forward. Okay. Thank you. You know, I wish you the I, I wish you the best. I know you're gonna be successful at it. You're gonna probably end up writing grants for people because you you're good at everything you do. But in closing, I wanna thank you very much for coming on my show. I'm definitely gonna have you back. Um, because this this whole third grade law is, is, is a work in progress, too. So I know it's going to be a lot of changes, yeah. be a lot of different things. And you're going to be my source to, um, you're my expert, you know, to, to come on and, and, and let the people know, you know, how to navigate this third grade reading law and go from expectation to excellence. But, Ms. Hawkins, I want to thank you very much. And... I wish you the best in everything. Anything I can do to help you, you just let me know. Okay? Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope I help the listeners. If there are any questions or anything that I can answer, I'm more than happy to do so. If I don't know the answer, I will let you know, but I will find out. Um, And just know that there are many good educators. We love your children. And we just need you to help us, help them. Thank you very much. Couldn't have said it no better. You have a wonderful evening, and you take care. Okay. Good night. Good night now. Yes, I hope you enjoyed this riveting topic on the third grade reading law. This is a game changer, ladies and gentlemen. This is a challenge. Everyone is have to, is gonna have to pull together. It's like in the old in, in back in the day when you know it took a it took a village to raise a child. Everybody's gonna have to pull together and and get these third graders, get our youth, get our young people up to up to grade with their reading and with their math and just education period because they're starting to establish laws that if you're not at a certain level, and we all know that when laws are established, they're not always established to help, and they're not always established to hurt, but but they are established to make things different. So we got to take this law and make it different for us in a better way, in a positive way, not in a negative way. Thank you very much for tuning into my show. As always, this is Paul Garwood. I'm board member and vice president of Destination Achievers, which is achieving goals through outreach. You know, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides educational outreach programs for people in Maryland, D.C. and the Michigan communities. I'm also the founder and president of Paul Garwood Speaks and the S2SE Life Coaching I'm also the founder of the Positive Black Network. I thank you for joining my show, listening. I'm here on Sundays, 8 p.m. Tune in. Get the word out. Thank you again. Have a wonderful evening and a blessed week. Good night.